Today's commentary is about COVID redux, which is another way of saying redo. Well, folks, are you ready to do this all again? Did you have so much fun with the first pandemic that you want to start another one? Well, it turns out that our federal government in Ottawa really does. So are you ready to start wearing a mask again everywhere you go? Canada's Chief Public Health Officer, Dr. Theresa Tam, thinks we all need to do so. She said this, quote, Now is the time to get your mask ready. She said that at a news conference where she reappeared along with a bevy of other doctors and health experts to announce that Canada had approved the latest COVID-19 vaccine from Moderna. As Tam and the other doctors participated in the news conference, they were, of course, all masked and appropriately social distanced. It looked like a scene right out of 2020 before we all knew the truth, that COVID-19 is nothing more or less than a seasonal flu virus. When asked why she donned a mask, Tam explained that it was due to the recent uptick in cases and hospitalizations. She therefore urged others to dust off their mask collections. Quote, it is a layer of protection. We people have developed the habit to be able to use masks as needed during the respiratory virus season, not just for COVID, end quote. So it appears that Canadian health policy is to use masks every year once flu season rolls around. Tam's recommendations are basically performance theatre. We are no longer in a pandemic and arguably never were. We have widespread natural immunity from infection, which means that her decision to mask and social distance during the news conference was more about optics than reality. A study released earlier this year on the impact of mandatory mask policy during the worst parts of the pandemic in a major London hospital in Britain found that, quote, requirements to wear surgical masks in a large London hospital during the first 10 months of Omicron activity, that's from December 2021 to September 2022, made no discernible difference to reducing hospital-acquired SARS-CoV-2 infections, end quote. So, why are we being told to wear masks, social distance, and get our annual COVID boosters? Well, once upon a time, there was a coronavirus. Actually, there were several of them. Over the past 20 years, we've been threatened with panic porn about three other coronaviruses, MERS, SARS, and COVID-19. The former two appeared to be really dangerous, but instead of the predicted plague, their impact was negligible. SARS killed 11% of its victims, but is known to have infected only less than 9,000 people. MERS was a bit worse, killing about a third of its victims, but there were only 2,600 total cases. Then there was Zika and Ebola. Health experts shouted that these new threats would destroy civilization, but of course that never happened. Then, as the story goes, the Wuhan Institute of Virology made a bigger, badder coronavirus. It could not be allowed to be a nothing burger like the others. It had to be catastrophic so that vaccines could be prescribed for everyone. Well, we know the rest of the story. COVID-19 exploded around the world, and almost as quickly as it appeared, physicians discovered that two ancient drugs worked beautifully against it. But that storyline could not be permitted to unfold. After all, how was Big Pharma supposed to make billions on just another seasonal flu? So lies were broadcast about HCQ and ivermectin. Doctors lost their careers just for prescribing them. The virus was hyped to be deadly if you simply got near a sick person without a mask. 
Most Canadians were therefore ordered or guilted into enduring a sore arm from an mRNA shot and successive boosters. These would keep us from getting sick or from spreading COVID, they said. The campaign continued with images of freezer trucks for the dead and tickers of all the cases running across the bottom of every news broadcast. Politicians exclaimed that millions worldwide had died from COVID, or at least with COVID. Of course, we now know that none of it was true. The risk of dying from COVID turned out to be 0.03%, about the same as for seasonal flu, and that kids are virtually immune. The Fauci ouchie did not protect us from getting or spreading the virus, but it kills children and adults. Along the way, COVID changed. First, there was the Delta variant. It had four mutations in the spike protein. Then came the Omicron, aka Omicron variant. It had 53 mutations on its spike. Omicron was far more infectious, which got the media in an uproar, but it was not nearly as harmful as Delta. It followed a principle known as Muller's ratchet. For a virus to survive, it must have hosts. The best way for that to happen is to learn how to better infect without killing the host. This means that more potential hosts can be exposed, rinse and repeat. In fact, that is precisely what is happening now. We have so many COVID variants now that we cannot even keep track of them all. They are endemic. Still, Dr. Tam and the news media continue to breathlessly shout about the new variant of COVID-19 as if this one will bring on Armageddon. They give these variants terrifying names like Eris, who was the Greek goddess of strife, discord, and bloodshed. The COVID-19 we have today is as much like the original strain as Cher now resembles the young woman depicted on her 1960s album covers. This is a pretty apt description of the comparison between the COVID-19 that led to so much havoc in 2020 and the variants that exist today. Just as Father Time and plastic surgery transformed Cher, Muller's ratchet has been hard at work mutating the virus so much so that it is easy to catch but difficult to die from. Our mass media and government are trotting out serial liars like Teresa Tam and Anthony Fauci again to tell us to mask up and get the shot. But the virus simply is not any more dangerous than the common cold, which is what it has actually become. It may still be called COVID, but the disease that was used to create so much fear simply does not exist outside of a laboratory. Yet, the COVIDiots persist, and they are intent upon us all getting the shots. It is medical tyranny via the weapon of disbelief. We have heard from medical authorities worldwide that COVID mRNA vaccines are safe and effective, yet others insist that they are hazardous, that they cause cardiac complications like myocarditis or pericarditis and myocardial infarction, otherwise known as a heart attack. We have even been told that they are safe for children, Dr. Tam wants children injected as early as six months after birth. But others say that they are destroying young immune systems. What is worse, we have learned that some physicians, scientists, and directors of huge health organizations knew of negative consequences from the vaccines before they were ever unleashed upon a totally uninformed and even deceived public. The list of contradictions related to things like vaccines, injuries, deaths and global welfare is long indeed. But for the working class person focused upon tending to their work and family, who is not directly involved with these wretched entanglements, there is scant reliable data upon which to rely. One of the things appealed to in times of such cognitive dissonance is the belief that 
wicked intention and horrible malevolence lie outside of reality. Unfortunately, not only can these beliefs lead to personal and social harm, but it is also just one aspect of how tyrants get away with what they do. This was first revealed by the November 2021 book entitled The Real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health. It lists Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as the author, although it had many contributors, including many of the world's leading public health experts. Millions of copies were sold despite censorship, boycotts from bookstores and libraries, and hit pieces against Kennedy, who is now running for president. The big pharma-funded mainstream media convinced millions that Dr. Anthony Fauci was a hero, but the truth is that he is nothing of the kind. As director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, or NIAID, Fauci dispensed billions in taxpayer funding for rigged scientific research, allowing him to dictate the subject, content, and outcome of scientific health research across the globe. Truly a dark agenda. Fauci used the financial clout at his disposal in a backhanded manner to wield extraordinary influence over hospitals, universities, journals, and thousands of influential doctors and scientists whose careers and institutions had the power to ruin, advance, or reward in an authoritarian manner. During more than a year of painstaking and meticulous research, Kennedy unearthed a shocking story that obliterates the media spin on Fauci, one that is alarming especially for those of us who care about democracy and the future health of children. Kennedy reveals how Fauci launched his career during the AIDS crisis by partnering with Big Pharma to sabotage safe and effective therapeutic treatments for AIDS. Fauci orchestrated fraudulent do-nothing studies and then pressured FDA regulators into approving chemotherapy treatment he had sound reason to know was futile against AIDS. Fauci even did the unthinkable and repeatedly violated federal laws to allow his Big Pharma partners to use impoverished black children as lab rats in beyond-order, deadly experiments with toxic AIDS and cancer chemotherapies. In early 2000, Fauci shook hands with Bill Gates in the library of the Microsoft mogul's $147 million Seattle mansion, cementing a partnership that aimed to control an increasingly profitable $60 billion global vaccine enterprise with unlimited growth potential. Through funding leverage and carefully cultivated personal relationships with heads of state and leading media and social media institutions, the Farm-Fauci-Gates Alliance exercised dominion over global health policy and even nations. Fauci, Gates, and their cohorts used their ubiquitous control of media outlets, scientific journals, key government and quasi-government agencies, global intelligence agencies, influential scientists and physicians to flood the public with fearful propaganda about COVID-19 virulence and pathogenesis and to muzzle debate and ruthlessly censor dissent. Another incredibly revealing book was published around the same time by Dr. Peter Bregan and his wife, Dr. Ginger Ross Bregan. It is called COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey. It is much more than an analysis of the ongoing exploitation of humanity via the COVID-19 pandemic. It disclosed for the first time the actual blueprint and master plan that was 10 years in the making by global predators before the pandemic to reorganize the world in the name of public health. Billionaires, government agencies, giant funds, and major industries collaborated years ahead of time 
to lay the groundwork for what would become Operation Warp Speed and the Great Reset. All of this is disclosed, individuals are named, and their plans for the future are documented. The book concludes with chapters on what the world must do in the coming years to save our freedoms. Many top medical and public health experts who treated and examined COVID-19 patients agree that this is the most comprehensive book about who and what was behind the draconian measures that crushed individual freedoms and many of the societies and economies of the Western world, including the U.S., Canada, Great Britain, and Australia. The book thoroughly documents solid answers to certain tragic questions about the global predators who reaped enormous benefits from COVID-19 suffering, including wealth, power, and the destruction of the West as an opposition to globalism. Who are these global predators? What are their motives and plans for us? And how can we defend against them? Why did they plan the pandemic years before it was declared? Why did they distribute mRNA vaccines that killed lab animals and humans? Why did they collaborate with the Chinese to make pandemic viruses and bioweapons? Why did they hide the true origin of the COVID-19 virus? Why did they let China spread the virus around the world on passenger planes? Why did they give so much power to people like Fauci and Tam? Why did they continue to prohibit cheap, available, safe and effective COVID-19 treatments? Why did they impose draconian closures on our society and economy? Why did they disproportionately harm or destroy small businesses and churches? Why were we made to wear masks and social distance? Why did they grossly exaggerate the death rate from COVID-19 to terrorize us? Why did they hide the growing vaccine death rate from us and continue to do so? Why did they make experimental vaccines that destroy our immune systems? Why do governments in the U.S. and Canada continue to push COVID boosters? All of these questions create the context in which the tyrant manages to deceive, misguide, and evade justice. In our world today, how can it be that those who hold lofty titles in health and societal betterment are so careless, thoughtless, sinister, ruthless, and cruel? We can probably agree that most people simply do not behave like criminals. Of course, there are notable exceptions. But this is not how we expect individuals with their multiple degrees and accolades, endowments and fancy titles to conduct themselves. Yet, upon closer inspection, we find that it is precisely such individuals and their links to powerful institutions like medical bureaucracies, medical associations, medical boards, international agencies, along with the help of media, who are behind such painful distributions of malice. Something quite serious and nefarious is going on here. Contradictions and malevolence abound. For instance, consider the false narrative that no one is safe until everyone is vaccinated. The lethality of the virus is 1,000 times less in the young than in the elderly with multiple comorbidities. There's also clear evidence of fraud related to clinical trial and data fraud respecting non-COVID mortality rates when comparing the vaccinated and unvaccinated. Statisticians have exposed how data fraud has also hidden the toxicity of the vaccines. It was also known early on that the PCR test was an ineffective tool to detect any COVID threat. But every health organization worldwide promoted it. Known and effective treatments like HCQ and ivermectin were denounced as inviable. 
Just recently, Japanese scientists discovered that COVID-19 and all of its variants are laboratory creations. The list of lies goes on and on and on. So the tyrant, whether due to psychopathy, sociopathy, the obsessive need to control others, or the evil interplay of all of these, manages to continue to press on and even get away with such actions due to a web of interrelated factors. The imposition of immobilizing fear in its many forms and the complicity of mainstream media keeping the broad populace ignorant and out of touch both play influential roles. So too does the quiet reliance upon outrage and disbelief in the notion that such evil acts have occurred or are even possible. In fact, it is precisely from such assumptions that the expression conspiracy theory originates. It was coined after the JFK assassination nearly 60 years ago to quell the voices of disbelief. It suggests that the opposing view is ridiculous, hyperbolic, and unrealistic, that the virtue of persons or agencies attacked remain unimpeachable. Therefore, the answer was no. The protective and good CIA had nothing to do with Kennedy's death. It was Oswald's bullets and nothing more. The tyrant, medical or otherwise, obviously has the weapons, but so do we, if we have the courage to use them. Those who seek to exert great power over us will never admit that they have done wrong. That would impede their grand scheme. However, it is imperative that they be held accountable if we are to ever have any peace. That is the only way to prevent Dr. Tam and her ilk from terrorizing by telling us to keep putting on our masks. Underlying accountability are truth and courage, which remain our dagger and shield against tyranny. To avoid truth, or to reconcile without it, is to collude with evil. To enact the courage to journey with truth is to protect and advance what we have achieved, the loss of which is sure to pass without it, not to mention our personal freedoms. Our goodness is consistent with fighting, with shouting no to the Tams of this world. There simply is no alternative. Naturally, we must accept the cost of discipleship. These can involve retribution, loss of our jobs, and branding us contemptible outcasts. But living with the lie or going along with what we know is morally repugnant also has the injurious effect of weakening us in the long run. Rejecting the necessary courage may surface again, causing deeper wounds. Nobel Prize winner Alexander Solzhenitsyn issues a poignant reminder in his 1974 essay, Live Not by Lies. He posits that lies are like parasites. They can only survive when attached to a person. Solzhenitsyn famously said that one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to assume that totalitarianism cannot happen in our own country. Quote, And he who is not sufficiently courageous to defend his soul, don't let him be proud of his progressive views, and don't let him boast that he is an academician or a people's artist, a distinguished figure, or a general. Let him say to himself, I am part of the herd and a coward. It's all the same to me as long as I'm fed and kept warm. If we are too frightened, then we should stop complaining that we are being suffocated. We are doing this to ourselves. If we bow down even further and wait longer, our brothers, the biologists, may then help to bring nearer the day when our thoughts can be read and our genes restructured. If we are too frightened to do anything, then we are hapless and worthless people, and the lines of Pushkin fit us well. Quote, 
What use to the heirs, the gifts of freedom, the courage and a yoke with tinkling bells? This is their heritage bequeathed to every generation. There are telltale signs of soft totalitarianism cropping up in Canada. Civil liberties are increasingly seen as threats to safety. Progressives marginalize conservative traditional Christians and other dissenters. Technology and consumerism hasten the possibility of a corporate surveillance state, and the pandemic, having put millions of us out of work, driven up record debt levels, and spiked massive inflation, leave our nation vulnerable to demagogic manipulation. Many of us make the same mistake today, sleepwalking through the erosion of our God-given freedoms. For all of us, there will continue to be terrible news in the form of revealed actions and intentions by medical tyrants, medical bureaucracies, and international agencies, especially in the coming months. Dr. Tam has threatened us with yet more COVID tyranny. This time, what will we believe? And more importantly, how will we respond? For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. As knowledge grows, grief increases. That's from Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 18.